top of it.
That's a lie. <laughs> she wants to try it down. Yeah, she was she said it felt really high for her. I have no idea. We don't have to do the whole thing through, but. Oh. He didn't lower it back down. <laughs>
It is well, the one that says through it all. Um. God for it's like a done deal and I think sometimes we we think we have to like keep morning there's a couple things I got to get out of my cheaters just in case I need them thought I had the iPad I can make things bigger though too so I might not need but I also was thinking this morning I was like man you know I saw Dave passing out rocks beforehand and I wasn't too sure how I felt about him passing out rocks before before I got up to speak, I'm like, I don't know about this. <laughs> I'm sure I won't get too many thrown at me. Other thing was, is I was like, you know, the when she asked me to speak or whatever, I'm like, I felt like this is a message that the Lord wanted me to speak. And I'm like, it's um, in school, um, I teach uh, the Bible class in the morning. And this is a, this particular lesson is taught in about like three or four weeks. And so it's like I got to condense like 10 or 12 hours worth of information down into three this morning. I mean, no, just kidding. It won't be three hours. But I got to condense it down because, you know, you just don't have that much time. So, all right, strap on, get ready, because here we go. <laughs> Identity crisis was the title. I've like, was, like, really wondering what should I use as a title? What could I use as a title for this particular thing? Because in the classroom, it's, it's knowing whose you are and who you are. Is the most, that is probably one of the most important things that we as believers need to get down in. I mean, let's, let's look at the world that we live in right now. And can we agree that right now this world is going through a major identity crisis? It is a crisis of not knowing who they are, who made them, and, and the church, unfortunately, has gotten caught up into some of it, and in some of it, it's, not, it's like we just need to remember whose we are and who we are so that when we go out of this place, when we go out to other people, that we have that buried deep down inside of Ant, who am I and who am I? So that when I'm faced with situations in my life that just don't look very good, I can remind myself, whose am I, and who am I, and what can I do to overcome this particular situation, because of whose I am, and who I am. My identity needs to be tied up in Christ, and nothing else. 
And the more that we have that buried deep down inside of our lives, the more that we have that, the more that we see that, the more that we acknowledge that, the more that we walk in that, the more things that we will see happening and changing. Because we will go into a situation and we won't go into that looking at it like we normally do. Like, oh man, who am I to solve this? No, I know whose I am and who I am. And today we're going to look at two different people from the Old Testament. One of them is King Saul. And, we're, and it's First Samuel chapter 9 is what it is. I did not put all the verses up there because in First in Samuel it's going to be, we're going to be talking from several different chapters. I don't know which ones I'm going to be reading from and which ones I'm going to just quote or just tell. And so I didn't have them put all up there. But if you have your Bibles, it's in First Samuel chapter 9 is where it comes from. And we're going to look at King Saul. We're going to look at the calling of King Saul at first here. It says, There was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish, the son of Abiel, the son of Zerah, the son of Betcherith. I'm going to butcher all these names. I know it. The son of Aphiah, the son of a Benjamite, a mighty man of power, and a choice son and handsome whose name was Saul. There was not a more handsome person than he among the children of Israel. From his shoulders upward, he was taller than any of the people. And then it goes on to tell the, the story of, of how he was called. It says, Now the donkeys of Kish, Saul's father, were lost. And Kish said to his son Saul, Please take one of the servants with you and arise, go and look for the donkeys. So he passed through the mountains of Ephraim and through the land of Shalisha, but they did not find them. Then they passed through the land of Shalem, and they were not there. Then he passed through the land of the Benjamites, but they did not find them. And so eventually they go and they find, they go and find the prophet. They say, hey, let's go to the prophet. We know that there's a seer, a prophet, a person who can, who can maybe identify and tell us. And so they get, to the, they get to the prophet. They find him. Let me find the verse where it talks, picks up there. So they went up to the city. As they were coming into the city, there was Samuel coming out toward them on his way up to the high place. Now the Lord had told Samuel in his ear the day before Saul came, saying, Tomorrow, about this time, I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin, and you shall anoint him commander over my people Israel, that he may save my people from the hand of the Philistines. For I have looked upon my people, because their cry was come, has come to me. So when Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said to him, There he is, the man of whom I spoke to you. This one shall reign over my people. Then Saul drew near to Samuel in the gate and said, Please tell me, where is the seer's house? Samuel answered Saul and said, I am the seer. Go up before me to the high place, for you shall eat with me today, and tomorrow I will let you go and will tell you all that is in your heart. But as for your donkeys that were lost three days ago, do not be anxious about them, for they have been found. And on whom is all the desire of Israel? Is it not on you and on and all your father's house? And here's a key verse that I wanted us to look at. And what did Saul answer? says, am I not a Benjamite of the smallest of the tribes of Israel and my family the least of all the families of the tribe of Benjamin? Why then do you speak like this to me? Now I point that particular verse out to you because there's one thing that, I've, that we, if we look back and we're going to be looking at, at Saul's life. Saul was called to be king. Here's the warning. He was called to be king. God called him. God said, you are the one that is supposed to be this person. What was Saul's response? Saul never grew beyond this. This was Saul's problem from day one. What did it say here? 
Am I not a Benjamite? Am I not the smallest of all the tribes of Israel? My family is the least of all the families. What do you mean? What are you, what are you saying calling me to be this? Saul never grew beyond that. As we will see at, in, in a few different stories here, what it's, it saw kept going back to that point. He kept going back to not seeing where God called him and God showed him and God said this about him. Instead, he came back and he goes, man, I'm just the least. And he allowed fear and he allowed other things to get in the way of that calling because we're all called. We're all called. The warning here is, is we don't want to be like Saul. We don't want to say, well, you know, I'm called, but... And then we have all of our excuses and we have these reasons why we can't do something because, well, you know, I'm the least of the least. I mean, who, who, who could possibly use me? Why are you saying this about me? And sometimes we want to label that, and I know I do it, and I'm guilty of it sometimes. We want to label that as like humility, and it's not. We want to say, well, you know, I'm nothing. I am nobody. And we want to call that humility. That's not humility. That is not humility. Because guess what? You were created in the image of God. And when you call yourself those things, (laughs) you're saying that what God created was not good. And he declared in his word, you are good. He said, when he got done creating everything, he looked back and he said, it was what? It was all good. It was good. So he he created us in his image. And he stepped back and he said, it is good. It is good, and, and Saul, unfortunately, never got beyond that image of himself. He never got beyond that, I'm from the least of the least of the least. Who could possibly use me? And, and look at it. Look at the story again. You look at it. It says he was the most handsome of all of Israel. He was the tallest from the shoulders up. I mean, he was broad shoulders, a big guy. Somebody who the rest of the people said, whoa. And his image of himself was, I am the least of the least the least of the least. And he never grew beyond that image of himself. Never. So, so we go on and we want to read and we look at... Go on to chapter 10, verses 21 through 27. It goes on and tells you in that story of his calling, of all of the things that God was trying to communicate to Saul. I'm going to tell you because he was trying to build him up. He really was trying to build him up. He says, this is what's going to happen. When you go, you're going to go find your sheep. And then after this, you're going to go amongst these other people and you're going to start prophesying because I'm going to come upon you and you're going to prophesy. This is to show you, to solidify the fact that you, so you will know that you are called. Here's what I'm going to do and here's what's going to happen. All of those things happened. All of those things transpired. Okay, so he had all of this backstory of this is what God told him. This is what the prophet told him. When he went home, he didn't even tell us. He was... He told his dad that, oh yeah, we found the sheep. That's all he said. He didn't say anything about God calling him to be king at all. He was still in that kind of mode where he was, he was downplaying it. But anyway, so now let's look at 10 verses 21 through 27. As I scroll there. And it says, and when, so they, they called them all together. He says, and when Samuel had caused all the tribes of Israel to come near, the tribe of Benjamin was chosen. When he has caused the tribe of Benjamin to come near by their families, the family of Matri was chosen, and Saul the son of Kish was chosen. But when they sought him, he could not be found. Therefore they inquired of the Lord 
further, has the man come here yet? And the Lord answered, there he is, hidden amongst the equipment. So in this particular passage, when he's calling them together, they know why they're being called together. They've been asking God for a king. This is the back. They are, they've been asking God for a king, to give them a king. He says, okay. So he's going to give them a king. So all of the people know that when he's calling out these different groups of people, now remember, Saul knew back, way back when, when he had saw the seer, that he was called to be king. He knew that he was called to be king. All the people of Israel are coming together. He's saying, hey, this is what I'm going to declare. Who's going to be king? So he knows that he's going to be it. And where do they find him? Hiding amongst the luggage. Because in his eyes, my tribe is the least of the least of the least of the least of the least. The problem with never growing beyond that is that we end up like Saul where we end up hiding half the time when we should be. We should be at the forefront. We should be saying, you know what, I'm not hiding. I know what God has called me. I know whose I am and I know who I am. So I need to be stepping out into situations that I want to just kind of live in fear. I don't want to step out. It's hard. Yes, it is hard. Sometimes when you're called to do things, sometimes it is very, very difficult to do those things. Sometimes it is very, very hard when God calls you because a part of what God calls you to do is one of the things that I know that we struggle with and we have is this, bless those who curse you and pray for those who spitefully use you. That is not easy. That is not easy. That is not easy at all. Because sometimes people are vicious. Sometimes people are going to call you all the names in the book. I've been called every name in the book. I've been called a lot of different things in the job that I'm currently doing. And it was just like, okay, that's fine. But guess what? I love you anyway. And it's amazing how that, like, it just like, like, what? I mean, it's, it, but you're called to be that peace in that storm. Because there's storms going on all over this world. And we're called to be his representatives and be his peace. Whatever he's called you to. We are all called, though. We are all called to something different. We may have different challenges. We may have different things. But we are all called. And you need to realize whose you are and who you are. Let's go on in chapter um, 13. In 1 Samuel chapter 13. Tells of the story. I'm trying to remember what that story was right now at the top of my head. Oh, I remember what it was. So he's called. He t- they tell him, you're going to go to battle. But the prophet says, I want you to go to this place, and I want you to wait for me before you do the sacrifice. Saul acknowledges the fact, okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to wait. Guess what happens? The people all around him are scared to death. They're going up against the Philistines. It says in, this, in, the, in, the, verse that, in the verses that they were as far as the number of sand in the sea, that's what the Philistines looked like to them. There were people that were hiding in caves. There were people that were hiding in all kinds of different places. And Saul, even the people that were around Saul, it says that they were terrified. They followed Saul trembling. So he gets there. And, he's, and he's very clearly told. 
Go there, wait for me. What does Saul do? Saul goes on and he offers the sacrifice anyway. And his prophet shows up just after the sacrifice is done. He says, what have you done? He goes, well, blah, 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 blah. Um, the, the, the people were like fleeing from me and they were leaving and, and they were all taking off on me and I needed to fight these guys. And, and, and so I went ahead and offered the sacrifice anyway. He says, you fool. This day the kingdom is going to be taken from you because you did not listen. He allowed fear. He, he, he was still living in that spot of, I'm the least, the least, the least. He allowed the fear of all of those other people. He allowed the fear of all those people leaving him and not having anything to do with him and all of his followers that he needed to back him because he's fighting, he's fighting an army that's as many as the sand in the sea. I mean, this is a pretty big deal. And instead of resting in whose he was and who he was, instead of resting in the fact that God had called him and because God had called him that nothing was impossible to him, and instead of living in that place, he lived from the place of I'm the least of the least of the least of the least, and he allowed fear to come into the place, and he went ahead and did something that he knew he was not supposed to do. He knew he was supposed to wait, and he chose not to wait because of fear. He did not grow beyond that spot of I'm the least, the least, the least, the least. It's a dangerous spot to live. Sometimes it's a, it's, sometimes it's a spot where we kind of like, oh, that's okay, you can, we, and we try to build people up. And it's like, no, it's not okay. It's not okay to think that way and to believe that way. You need to, we need to get it down into our heart of hearts. Whose are we and who are we? And not just in church. That's where it's easy. We need to, go, we need to be taking this into where we work and into our, the world that we live in. In the places that we see, and the people that we see, we need to have it so deep inside of our hearts that when, we, when things come at us, that we can say, you know what? I am called, first off. I know I'm called, because the Bible says I'm called. Actually, that brings me back to the verse that, on Becca's Instagram page this morning, it was kind of cool. I liked that verse. It was like, okay, this is on the right track then. That's what it told me, so thank you for that. But it came from Ephesians, and this one is actually going to be, can be up on the board, 2, 8 through 10. It says, For grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And it, get this, this is the part that we need to hang on to. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, for what? For good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So, are you called? Yes. As a believer, we are all called. We all have a calling. And whatever we walk in, whenever we walk into a situation, we should be one of the ones that are boldly standing up and saying, okay, what is it that we've got to tackle? What is it that we've got to take on? We need to take up the mantle and we need to say, not just because, not, it's not because I'm something special, other than the fact of, I know whose I am and I know who I am because I know whose I am. Because I know that greater is in me than he that is in the world. Because I know that he has all of the answers. And if I'm listening, if I'm praying, if I'm seeking his face, if I'm remaining humble before him in and, 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 and true humility, not in this garbage where, well, no, well, you know, I'm not good, I'm the least of the least. No. We're living in that place of whose am I and who am I? So that when I walk into a situation, 
I can begin to speak into that situation. That situation can change. That situation doesn't stand a chance against a believer. That's where we need to live from. Not from a, ooh, I don't know about this one. But coming from a place of, I know whose I am. I know who I am. Saul didn't do that. And we're going to actually, eventually we're going to get to David. Because David did do it. And David did do it well. In, in, in chapter 15 in 1 Samuel, the last time we're going to talk about Saul, for today anyway. In chapter 15, it shows again where he feared the people. So, here's what's happening. God says, God, I want you to go in and these people, I want you to wipe them completely out off the face of the earth. They have rebelled against me for the last time. I'm done with them. And this this was God. So he he tells the children of Israel, I want you to go in and I want you to wipe out every single one of them. Leave not one thing alive. And, And not animals, not anything, nothing, everything. Destroy it. Because they have violated me. And I'm done. So he's using them and tells the children of Israel to go do this. So what do they do? Saul goes off. The people go off. They destroy all the weak things, all the things that are good for nothing, all the... But what do they keep? They kept all the best. They kept all the spoils. They kept all the things that God... And, and, then, they, and then they said, well, well, we obeyed. And Saul goes, yeah, we obeyed. We went, we went out. And, and all of these best things that we kept, it was so that we could sacrifice to, to God. You know, we kept them all alive for that reason. And Samuel was having none of it. None of it. He said, you disobeyed. You did it again. And what did he, he said? He said, well, it was the people. The people did this. The people gathered all this stuff up. They, you ever notice that there seems to be a pattern when we're sinning? <laughs> We like to play this blame game. <laughs> it was somebody else. Somebody else did it. Honestly, it's because they did this and I did this. And that's, yeah, that, that justifies it, right? I mean, we like to do that. This is what Saul's doing here. He's saying, well, it was the people that did this. And, you know, I just went along with the people. Instead of him saying, you know what? No, I know whose I am and who I am. And God says to do this. I'm going to do this no matter what the people are saying at the time. No matter how loud their voices are, no matter how much they want to keep the spoil, he needed to stand up and say, I am the king in this situation, and I don't care what you want to do. God said to do this. This is what we're going to do. That's not what he did. Instead, he looked at the people and said, well, they're doing all this. and ah! What am I going to do? Oh, I know. I'll make up this excuse. We were just going to sacrifice these things. And I'll save the king, you know, because, you know, I want to have mercy on another king. Because guess what? There's been lots of times in history where they saved the kings. Why? Because a king didn't want to have people kill another king. Why? Because if kings became open season, then they're at risk because they're one guy in a kingdom. That's the king. And he realizes I'm just one person. If they all rose up against me, I'm dead. So they don't want to kill other kings because that sets a precedent that it's okay to kill kings. And once you start setting that precedent, then it's trouble for the king. And so he kept the king alive. He decided to keep him alive instead of doing what God had told him to do. And again, it was a situation of he looked at the people. The people were saying this. He feared the people more than he feared God. And he went along right with the people instead of being that leader that God had called him to be. 
how often do I, uh, you know, honestly, if you ask yourself that question, how often do we do that? How often do we kind of just kind of go along with the flow just because we don't want to stand out? Just because we don't want to, you know, name whatever it is. There are times where we do that, where we just, I don't know, maybe we just temporarily forget whose we are and who we are. And we walk in something that we're just like, we know better. We know better. It's time that we rise up. It's time that we look at things the way God looks at it. That we look at the situations that we're faced with the way God looks at them. Let's look at 1 Samuel 16. So let's move on from Saul. We're going to move to David. This is, this is who we want to copy a, a little bit more of. Not entirely. I'm not saying that we all want to copy David. David had a calling. Your calling is different than David's, obviously. None of us are necessarily called to lead a nation like that. 1 Samuel chapter 16. It's found in chapter 16. We're not going to read most of it. Otherwise, we would be here till you know, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, somewhere around there. Anyway, but in his calling. So, here's a case where we see, he says, hey, I'm going to call a king out of this place. He sends the prophet to the home of David. And David's dad knows something's up, and so he says, oh yeah, I can bring all my sons out. So one by one, he brings his sons out. And the prophet's like, no, that's not it. That's not him. Nope, nope, one by one. Comes to David. Oh, I do have one more son. I don't know, he's out tending the sheep somewhere. I mean, like, like you know, the runt of the litter, <laughs> if you want to put it that way. Just like he's, you know, then he, he wasn't even thought of. I mean, in, in, in this sense, his, his own dad knows that the prophet is being there, calling forth to see his sons, because he's going to have a king called from him, because he, he, there's an understanding of that, that that's what's going on. His own dad doesn't even bring him out. Yeah, he's just off in the off in the field over there. And 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 Sam says, Bring him. That's him. That's the man who's after my own heart. That's the guy. That's who I'm calling. And <laughs> I had some good news and some bad news to read today. We are going to read the next verse here in a second. It comes from First Corinthians. Uh, 26 through 31. Because I got some good news and I got some bad news for you. As we've discovered already before, um, you are called, right? Right? Okay. So we got that straight. We're all called, right? So that's kind of the good news, bad news. Because uh, let's look at this first. Starting in verse 26. I'm sorry. I'm ahead of the, I know the humor of this is a little bit to me. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise, according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. That no flesh glory in his presence. But of him you are in Christ Jesus who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and re- and redemption. That is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. 
So the next time that you feel like you're foolish, the next time that you feel like you're weak, the next time that you feel like you're, you know what you can do? You can say, yeah, you're right. But thank God he uses the foolish things of this world to put to, to justice. He uses the foolish things of this world to, to bring him out. I want to read that again. Foolish things of this world to put to shame the wise. So are you weak? At times, yes. Thank God I'm weak. Guess what? What does it say here? He says, and God has chosen the weak things of this world to put the shame to things that are mighty. This is you knowing whose you are so that you can walk out who you are. If you feel weak, that's fine. God uses the weak. Do you feel like you're not much? That's great news. That's who God uses. Isn't that awesome? (laughs) Sometimes we want to do the reverse. Sometimes we want to build people up. And I love it. I love this passage because, because of that reason. Sometimes we're trying to build people up. And it's like, guess what? He uses us when we feel like we can't be used. He uses us when we are at our weakest. He uses us when we're terrified. The example that I have is I love to preach and teach, but guess what? I am an introverted person. I, I do just as good standing in the back corner of the room watching everybody else have fun as, as to be up in front of people and stuff like that. I'm terrified every time I do it, but I love doing it. And I say, God, okay, you can use me in this way. It says here, you use foolish things <laughs> to confound the wise, so use me. I don't care. Lord, I want, to, I want to have a heart that says, I want to do what you want me to do, even if I have to do it terrified. Even if I have to do it scared. Even if I have to cry at the beginning. Every time I get up to speak, there's tears like welling in the back of my eyes. I'm just shaking sometimes. Do it scared. Do it scared. It's fine. Because, and, but it takes you coming to this position of you knowing whose you are and who you are. Because that's where it rests anyway. Whose are you? If you have that buried deep inside of you, I, I tell the boys all the time, I said, when you have that inside of you, it doesn't mean that everything's going to be easy. But I can guarantee you, it will be easier. If you get it down into your heart, whose you are and who you are, it will be easier to forgive those who hurt you. Won't be easy, but it will be easier. Because you will, be, you will know whose you are. When that person is coming at you and they're cursing and swearing and doing all kinds of things, if you know whose you are and who you are, you can remain sitting there calm and peaceful and you can tell them you love them anyway, and that you can, be, you can be that voice of reason. You can bring the situation down. Because why? Because you have it in your heart whose you are and who you are. You know you are safe. You, are new, you know that you are okay. You know that God has got your back. You know that it's, it's fine. Because you know whose you are and you know who you are. But if we don't get that down into our hearts, if we don't realize, fully realize, then we'll walk into situations and, and if we don't fully know whose we are, and I have to pray it constantly, Lord, remind me, help me to remember, you know, whose am I and who am I 
so that when I walk into situations, when I'm faced with things that, are, that, just, that, that scare me, that I can walk into those things anyway. That I can say, okay, this is what it is. I know whose I am. Lord, thank you for reminding me whose I am. Thank you for reminding me that who I am. Thank you for reminding me that it is you who uses the weak things. It's you who uses the things that the rest of the world might call foolish. That's okay. That's fine. I am in you and you are mine. You are mine and I am yours. And because I am yours and because you are mine, it is okay. I can do things scared. I can step out and I can do the things that you're calling me to do. Why? Because I'm great or talented? No. Because of who he is. David had this relationship with God that David was faced with all kinds of things. The difference between David and Saul was David knew whose he was. David knew whose he was. He knew who he was because he knew whose he was. That's a fun thing to say over and over again. The boys really love it when I do that. By like week three, they're like, would you shut up about this? But anyway, knowing whose you are so that you know who you are, so that when you walk into those difficult situations, that you can come at it from peace. So that you can come at it and you can say, you know what, there's nothing that I can't tackle because I know whose I am and I know who I am. And if I have to do it scared sometimes, well, so be it. Do it scared. Do it However, if you put your feelings to the side. Your feelings really don't matter. They last for about two seconds anyway. Just do it. Because the fact of the matter is, is that we live in a world that has lost its identity. And they need us as believers to stand up and let them see who they are. You can see the thing is, is like those people, they aren't my enemies. They're not. I love them. They're confused. The God of this age has blinded their eyes so that they cannot see. And it takes us to know whose we are and who we are. It takes us to know that God is calling them. God loves them just as much as he loves me. He cares about them just as much as he cares about me. He's calling to them constantly, constantly trying to speak to them, trying to get to them. The God of this age has blinded their eyes so they cannot see. We need to be a believer that stands up and says, you know what, I know whose I am, I know who I am, and I love you no matter what. No matter what. You can spew all the hateful things that you want at me. I don't care. I love you anyway. That's not easy, guys. I know it. It's just, it's not. That is not easy to do. But that is what God is calling us to do. To bless those who curse us, to pray for those who spitefully use us. Those are things that are very, very, very hard to do. Because we want to, you know, like, we want to get back instead of, we want to fight. We know what's right, but we choose to fight the wrong fight instead of fighting back with words and with different things like that, what we need to be fighting back with is prayer. And say, God, open their eyes. They're blind. They can't see. They need me. 
They need me to love them anyway. They need us to be Jesus to them in reality. Because think about this. What did Jesus do for you? I tell the boys this all the time. That when I hated God's guts, he died for me. And I don't downplay that at all. I, I grew up in a pastor's home, but I hated God for a while. I hated the fact that I was a pastor's kid. I hated it. I hated the, I hated the whole thing about it. I hated him as a result of that. When I was in that most hateful spot, it says in the scripture, that's when he died for me. When I rejected him, when I spit at him, when I called him names, when I rejected everything that was to do with him and didn't want to have anything to do with him, that's when he called me. That's when he kept reaching to me. And we live in a world that needs us to be that to them. No matter what. No matter what. And I know that I'm, what I'm at, that's a hard thing, that's a hard ask, that is a hard ask. Because sometimes they get vehement. You will be called names. I, I can guarantee it. But you've got to have it buried deep inside of your, in your heart that it doesn't matter. I'm going to love you anyway because why I know whose I am and who I am and I know that I'm safe and even if you take my life <laughs> I go to heaven even if I die I'm not saying it'll, it may or may not get to that extreme it may get to that extreme it may not God may move powerfully in different ways I don't, I don't even pretend like I can see into what all the future is going to bring but I do know this I do know who I believe in I know that he is able to do what he said that he will do. I know whose I am, and I know who I am. And I do need that reminder over and over again, myself even. Who am I? Whose am I? And the most important of those two questions is whose are you? Whose are you? Whose are you? When we know that we are his, and that he is mine, we can do things terrified. We can do things with strength, actually. We can actually confound the wise people. Because God gives us what we need. It says he's given us everything that we need to live a life of godliness. He gives us everything that we need. And when we spend time in his word and memorize the scripture and do those kinds of things, he will bring those things to your remembrance. He will bring those things back to you. So when you're in those situations, but you have to be, you need to be living from a place of you know whose you are and who you are. Live from that place. Say, God, and if you don't know whose you are, to know him. You know, we invite you to come to ask him and to live inside you, because he will, because he, he's not a respecter of person. He doesn't say, well, this person's better than that person, and I won't do for that person what I do for this person. That's just not who God is. If he'll do it for one person, he'll do it for somebody else. That's a whole other lesson. But anyway, Father, I just thank you and praise you for your word. I thank you and praise you for these men and women that are here, Lord. I, I, I know that for the most part, Lord, that they know you. Lord, and I just ask that you would help us to get it deeper, 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 deeper inside of our hearts, God, that we know whose we are. 
so that we can go out of this place and into this world that needs believers that are walking in whose they are that can be light and salt to a world that desperately, desperately needs it. So Lord, just help us. Help us to live humbly before you, but bold, but bold because of who you are in us. your feet aren't you glad that Jesus identified himself with us in our sin in our failure so that we could identify with him in his resurrection his life his righteousness is not that an awesome thing if somebody here who has never identified they're having going through their own identity crisis not knowing exactly who they belong to and where they are in life. There's gonna be people up front here that would just love to pray with you. And if you're battling something maybe physically or in your life, that you just need somebody to come alongside you and just believe with you in prayer, we would love to pray with you. Now if you would all just put your hand on your heart and there's a blessing from God over each one of us. He says, Lord, let the Lord keep you, bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Every one of you walk in his peace in his presence today and be a blessing to other people as he's blessing you. So go and enjoy the wonderful rainy day today. Enjoy God's presence and enjoy each other. Amen.